Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. How many of you enjoyed Tony Portera last week, huh? Come on, that's a, that's a father of the house, and he spoke some things that I think we really have to grab onto in the next season. Anybody else agree with that? You know, I think that how, our, how we live our life matters, and, I, and that was his core message last week, but he made a couple statements in the middle of it that kind of, I think, shook some people. When he was talking about everybody has a different garden, like that was super powerful, like super powerful, like my neighbor, everything's in a row, and it's just all right, and mine's chaos, but it's beautiful chaos to me. And it's not beautiful to them because they like it in a row and orderly. And, you know, there's enough grace in the kingdom for that. Right? There's enough grace for getting things different. Just getting it different. Like, there's grace for that. And, And admiring the differences. Absolutely. It's beautiful. But he made a comment that really resonated with me that I've just spent some time on, and I want to flesh it out a little bit for us as a house, because I believe that this concept is where we're going, not where we've been, but where we're going. And um, John Bevere said once, you know, where we are going is not where we have been. So stop measuring where you're going by where you've been. Please, like, well, I was in revival over here, and it looked like this, so therefore, if it's going to be revival, it's got to look like that. No, where we're going is not where we've been. The encounters that you had are a precursor. It's not the final thing. It is not the final thing. I hope not. Yeah, greater things have yet, are yet to come. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, with all of this this morning, I want to um, begin to just seek the Lord about what it means to have resurrection. Because he declared last week, two things were declared at the same time, which was kind of funny. Because during communion, I said, we're in a pruning season. And he declared, it's Resurrection Sunday. And so to prune and have resurrection is about timing. It's about time. Because you prune things so that you get new growth, new fruit, new life. You get something new, which is that resurrection, right? So you can be in both places at the same time. Did you know that? Do you know you're seated in heaven right now? Like your spirit is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. Did you know that? The Bible says that you've been seated. Now you're going to be seated if you do good enough. No, if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. You've been seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Your spirit man is one with Christ in Christ right now. And where's Jesus seated? At the right hand of the Father. Jesus isn't wandering the earth today. That's not biblical. Can Jesus show up in any given moment? Of course. He's God. Like, if he wants to, here he is. But he left for the primary purpose of bringing the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us saying, yeah, overlook that one, Dad. Overlook that one. 
overlook that one. That's why he's interceding. He's like, yeah, they messed up. I know, I know they got that one wrong again. I'm going to intercede a little more. I'm going to intercede a little more. I'm going to intercede a little more. Jesus is our covering. He's the one who's covered us with grace and mercy by the blood of Jesus. His own blood is making intercession for us. So he is our advocate before the Father right now. Come on, somebody say amen. So when you make the mistake, he's already to in the ear of God. He's saying, shh, don't, don't, don't. you didn't see that. <laughs> I'm making an intercession right now. Like, no, we're good. We're good. I paid for that one too. Yeah, I know. He did it again. I did it. Okay, I'm covering. Come on now. That's what it means to intercede. It's to stand in the gap, to stand in between. That's what who Jesus is doing right now in the throne room of heaven. Now, the Spirit of God came so that we might know God. Because now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I feel like my mic needs some adjusting somehow. Maybe just pull it down a little. I don't know. It feels, yeah, it feels a little hot, so just pull it down maybe just a little bit. Um, and then I can yell. I don't have to talk so quietly. Um, so it's really interesting because the declaration by Tony about resurrection really just impacted me because I know that in November we talked about um, the fact that the brakes had been on the church for two years, right? And the brakes were on when Mika and I stepped back in September of 2019 and we came back December of 2020, okay? And we came back in December of 2020, okay? In that process, we realized like we're in this floating space, like, God gave me some clear direction, like, okay, don't plow yet. It's not time. Don't worry about the vision. Don't worry about a lot of this stuff. Just build relationship. Just do a certain, certain things in the season. Dream, have dreams, have vision, but this is not the time to push anything. Just rest. And it's been good. I got a call in August or September from uh, one of my mentors. He's like, hey, you know those things that God told you to do back in, in November of 2020? He's like, the, the expiration date's expired on that bottle of milk, buddy. It's time to start moving. And so as a mentor, you know, I just value that input from mentors, right? I was talking to Ted about this this morning, about one of our, one of our mutual friends who's just an all-star, right? I mean, just an amazing person. And I said, you know what makes this guy amazing is that he has every characteristic of a healthy leader and a healthy disciple. Because healthy leaders are faithful. They become available to the need, right? And they stay humble, which means they never count themselves as the expert. They stay teachable. A good disciple is faithful and available and teachable. And one of the things that I, I just bring that up because I think it's so, so often our challenge is not about where we're going, it's about how we get there, right? And the how, if we stay faithful, available, and teachable, God has something to work with. The minute that we think we know it all, or we got that thing dialed, and this is just what God does, and this is how God does it, and we, we box God up like that, we're in for a, a wild ride. Yeah. 
Because God is God. Just as a reminder. Okay, whatever you think he's going to do, he might not do it. And whatever you want, sometimes you don't want something to happen, and it might happen. He's God. And he's good all the time. Right? So um, it's interesting because what, what pruning is often about is the development of character. Because character is, is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These fruits of the Spirit are actually uh, emblematic of the character of a godly believer. Of a righteous person will exemplify the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. So what pruning does is it causes character to come up where character was missing. And, and, it, and sometimes you got to cut something out in order to see that good thing come to pass, right? Sometimes you got to cut something off in order for something to grow, okay? How many of you enjoy cutting? I don't think anybody enjoys the pruning, right? Oh, okay, the kid's like, whoo, we're going to cut it down, all right? I'm going to take an axe to the root. Um, no, we want fruit. <laughs> we don't want to kill the tree. Because the hope of pruning is the fruit to come, right? So when we're experiencing pruning, the hope when things get tight and things are stressful and things aren't quite right, what's the hope that we have in that is what is God going to produce? He doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste our pain. He doesn't waste our suffering. He doesn't waste anything. He doesn't always prevent it either. We wished he would just prevent all pain and suffering. But he doesn't, right? He's always good. He's always good, but he's not our magical God that just does whatever I want him to do. So in the midst of that conundrum, that place of, I believe in your goodness, God, and I believe that you're good, and I believe what you're doing is good, everything that you do is good, and I've got this, this mind state just acknowledging the goodness of God. And when something is painful, it doesn't mean it's bad. Because he's good. So when there's something painful that comes up, oftentimes we reject it as if it hurt, it must be the devil. Pruning is there for our betterment, for our best, for the fruit to come. So last week I said we're in a season of pruning. The, the reality of pruning is that it's the same place that we talked about with being in the turn. Do you guys remember that word, in the turn? I said in November, I'm like, you know, we're in the turn. Like we've, we, and when you go into a turn, you have to slam on the brakes. Our brakes took two years. There was this whole process of slowing down, of getting things in order in our hearts in order, getting some things moved around. I think some people have moved across the country because the brakes were on. I think people have redone how they do business because the brakes were on. You know, whether it's a COVID issue or whether it was a, a, a just the Lord leading you issue, whatever it is. Like the brakes were on and most of us have either started something new or we ended something and moved or we did something different in the last two years. Would you agree? Okay, there's been lots of movement and that's because the brakes were on. The brakes were on. Now, when the brakes are on, things jostle up, right? You slam on the brakes, 
right? If I slam on the brakes and my little puppy's in the crate, he's hitting the side of the crate because he's not expecting that. He gets a little jostled. So some of us have felt jostled through the brakes. Come on, right? It's okay. It's actually really good. It's the goodness of God that puts the brakes on. Now, in order, the reason why the brakes were on is because God wants to take everyone in this room in a different direction than where they were going. And it's not saying that you were heading in the wrong direction, just God's got something new in front of you. So when you hit the brakes, it's like, okay, God's inviting you to turn. And you can either turn, he's inviting you to turn. You can either turn or you can be in the ditch. We break so that we can make the turn. So this pruning is the turn. It's this place that we're at where we're, we're okay. Everything is that can be shaken will be shaken. We're in this place where we're turning to head to the direction that God is leading us in in this season. And it doesn't mean that that big vision picture that's actually over that way and God says, I need you to go this way for a season. He's got your map. Don't be mad at God because you're going this way and you think you need to be over here. He knows what you need. He's good. He's good. Don't sabotage your journey because you don't like the direction God takes you. That's pride. That's not teachability. That's not humility. I know better than God about my future and destiny than God does. I had a great conversation with another mentor of mine this week and we were talking about some friends and some issues that they're kind of struggling through and, and they need to make a decision about what they're going to do with their church. And I told them, I said, you know, they could choose to do this or they could choose to do that. I know that whatever they end up choosing, they're going to do well at it because they're just amazing people. And, and he says, well, f- that's the funny thing about free will. We get to choose but the Holy Spirit didn't give us an option. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. How many times have I repeated this in the last day? The Holy Spirit will tell you which way to go. You're either going to come in alignment with the Holy Spirit or not. Is He Lord? Can He say, turn now? Can he say, offer me your branches for pruning? Can he offer you correction? Can he challenge you to change you? Right? These are all things that we must consider when we're feeling the breaks and we're in the turn. Okay, God, you're really, really good because the foundation is the goodness of God. He is not an evil God. He does not like your suffering. He doesn't want you to suffer. But he also knows that you're in a fallen world, and when suffering happens to happen, he's going to use that to produce in you a fruit of righteousness. So when things are difficult, it's not always because God's like, "Ah, I'm going to make things really hard for this guy. No. Man, things are really hard. Let me take that brokenness and produce something great out of it because I'm not going to waste your pain. Now, This all ties in beautifully. Listen, if you're going to turn, listen to the Holy Spirit. 
Where is He directing you? How is He directing you? We're in a new season. There, we're, we're, I feel like in the next six months, we're going to realize we're out of the turn at some point. But right now, God's wanting to prune. God's wanting us to offer up things in our lives that He wants in order to replace them with His fruit, with His growth. Give me the dead branch. Now, The waiting in the turn is hard because we don't know how long the pruning season is. We don't know how much he's going to cut off. We don't know what he's going to actually take care of in this season. We don't know. We're not God. We don't know. And we don't see ourselves clearly the way that we think we do. Right? God sees us much more clearly than we see ourselves. He sees that hidden wound that you've refused to deal with since you were seven years old that's now manifesting in anger, rage, and bitterness. He sees it, and He knows what needs to be cut out. He knows what needs to be healed. And oftentimes we run from those moments for fear that we are in the hands of an angry God. No, we are in the hands of a loving Father who will gently do the surgery in our hearts and leave us in a place to be whole. But we don't know how long that process is. We don't know how long this takes. And that's the hard part. God, I'm giving you two months. God, I give you two months. If it ain't fixed in two months, I'm out. Well, that's not going to work. What does work is, God, search me, help me, teach me. That makes all the difference in the world. Now, I want to consider the reality of resurrection because what we're talking about with pruning is for the sake of resurrection. So if we're going to declare that it's Resurrection Sunday, I think it marked a moment in time where the, the, the pruning was taking effect because he's been pruning for a long time. But I think the pruning starting to take effect. Now, with this... In order for there to be a resurrection, there has to be a death. I was praying about the resurrection Sunday thing on Monday morning. I was praying into it, and God says, Chris, what are you grieving? Because in order for there to be new life, you, something has to have died. In order for there to be a resurrection, there has to be a dead body somewhere. So what are you grieving? What are you grieving about the last season? What are you grieving over the last 10 years of your ministry? What are you grieving? Are you grieving what some people would consider low levels of results? Are you grieving parts of the vision that didn't come to pass? Are you grieving the potential of relationships that were broken and what could have been? That, that's usually where I spend my time grieving is where 
the relationship of what, what was possible is now gone. And it just breaks your heart because you knew what God wanted to do there. And maybe it was my fault. Maybe it was someone else's fault. I still grieve it. It's still worth grieving over. So all of that being said, I think that I want to just remind us that God hasn't changed his mind about the vision of Harvest Valley. But some things need to be grieved as a community before new life will come. One of the ways the Lord was teaching me about this was um, looking at Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Mark chapter 4. And uh, we're going to look at verses 26 through 29. This is right after the parable of the sower. Jesus tells his uh, disciples the purpose of parables. He explains the parable of the sower. He then says... You are the light of the world, right? Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? There is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nothing been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, right? Verse 24, take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. It will be measured to you and to, what, and to who you hear and to you who hear, more will be given. I love this reciprocity of God. If you can hear, if you can receive, then you'll be able to use more. That's cool to me. Then in verse 26, the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. Do you know there's a near kingdom and a far kingdom? There's the near kingdom, which is us, alive and at work in this world. We are His kingdom at work, okay? We are in the kingdom, and we are establishing the kingdom both. We're doing both. We are in it, and we establish it. But then there's also a coming kingdom where there is no tear, there is no pain, there is no heartache. There's another kingdom coming. But right now, we have to deal with the consequences of sin, the effects of sin, the pain and suffering brought on by sin. We've got to deal with sin here. There'll be a day where that is removed from us. Hallelujah. But in the moment, we are in the kingdom and we establish the kingdom. So he says, listen, the kingdom of God is like, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Isn't it interesting that the more, he just said, the more you hear, the more you'll use. And then the kingdom is like a man scattering seed. So when you receive a revelation, when you hear God, when you hear, well, you have seed to sow. How many of you have ever heard something from the scriptures and you read through a scripture and it like went boom inside your heart? And you're like, oh, and then what do you do? You give it out. You got to tell somebody about it, right? That's sowing a seed, right? So the kingdom is this process of, of a man who scatters seed. Through revelation, we scatter seed. Now, 
He then says, scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Again, it didn't say six months later, three months later, two months later. Timing is irrelevant. He said he woke up the next day and there was a sprout. That's a fast sprout. Right? It's a fast sprout. Well, in the kingdom, the kingdom of God is you could sow a seed and see the fruit the next day. Now, I don't know how it happened. I gave something away and God did something with it and sprouted something up with it. And then he said, I don't know how it happened. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. This is a God-ordained principle from creation that when you sow, it will grow. When you sow, something will grow. Sow good seed, you're going to reap good seed. Sow bad seed, you're going to sow bad seed. Jesus is very clear about this. The world gets it in the concept of what they would call karma. We call it sowing and reaping. Right? Everything that's good and right or true in the world is a fake. It's a mimic of what God has said. But the principles are true. You sow, come on now, come on people. You sow into a relationship with somebody, most of the time you might reap some good fruit. If you don't sow into the relationship, is the relationship going to yield fruit? No. If I sow division in a relationship, what kind of fruit is that relationship going to give me? Bad fruit, bitter fruit, not good fruit, right? Okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same page because I mentioned karma and I saw eyes get crossed. Like, let, let me just tell you, the world needs to understand the kingdom, and sometimes we have to use the world's language to translate kingdom principles, because God ordained the principle that the world's trying to utilize for selfish gain, not us. I don't sow seed so that I can become something great. I sow seed because, number one, I'm obedient. Number two, for his glory, right? He's going to do what he's going to do. And man, he's promised that I'm going to be blessed back, but I'm not doing it for the blessing. That's selfish and arrogant. Does God bless your giving financially? Yes, he does. But if you are selfish in your generosity, then you're no longer giving out of a cheerful heart. You're no longer giving because of the joy of it. You're giving in order to gain. That's called greed. Now, can I lean into the principles of God as I see my life transformed and my finances changed? Absolutely. But my heart is to give because this is a principle that God has given me and we give out of obedience and for His glory. The reason why some of you are afraid to give generously is because you've heard some lies about your finances. 
Oh, come on. Come on now. Some of you are afraid to be generous with your money because you believe that if you give it away, there's no more that can come to you. That's a lie. Who's the supplier? God is. Who's your provider? So when God says, give, bring the tithe into the storehouse, you bring the tithe into the storehouse. Why? You obey God. For His glory. Not because some guy beat you into submission to give. You give because your heart longs to do the will of God. Now, if you're struggling with that concept, take it before the Father and say, God, show me. Is this what I'm supposed to do? And let me tell you what. He might not answer it the way you want, but you better obey the word of the Lord. Just saying. I think money, Jesus talked about money secondly to the kingdom. Why? Because it is the most tangible tool to see the revelation of the goodness of God. It's tangible. It's tangible. I can touch it. I can hold it. I can feel it. And it's a principle-driven tool. Can you steward it? Can you, can you operate in self-control? Can you be generous? Can you be gentle with your money? Can you be kind with your money? Can you have patience with your money? I mean, what, you don't buy it today? Can you be patient with it, right? All of the fruit of the Spirit can be used and utilized through your finances. It's just a tangible thing, okay? So, I don't even know. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's not my notes. That was free. I think, I think the issue is sowing seed, right? Now, God's interested, let me just say this, I think God is interested in repairing some people's financial condition through radical generosity, but for the sake of obedience, not for the sake of wiping out the debt. Like, he's the one who can wipe out the debt. He's the one who can bring the supply. He's the one who's going to give you the upgrade or give you the lesson that you need to learn to triple your business. He's the one who's going to do that. God doesn't respond to how much money you gave, he responds like the widow with how much faith you give in. Bang, bang. All right. These are kingdom principles and they just, they just bear fruit, right? The earth yields its fruit. All you got to do is sow the seed and let God watch it, let God do his thing, Right? And the cheerful giver has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Right? Yep. And man, I'll tell you what. When Mika and I feel like things are tight, we immediately go, double check. Are we giving appropriately? Is all of our giving happening? Like we double check it because we know that God has called us to be obedient, not only in tithing, but we give well above the tithe. I don't say that to brag. I'm just telling you, like, to me, that's a minimum. It's like, that's the start of generosity. So for us, that's for us. Now, for us, what we look at is like, okay, God, what else do you want us to sow into? 
What are the other things that you want? What missionary outreach do you want us to pour into? How do you want us to support local ministries? And what do you want? Like we, we're like, okay, Lord, uh, it looks a little tight here. First place we go is checking our giving. Have we, have we been praying over this? Have we been doing it in faith or are we just doing it out of obligation? Those are, those are conversations that we have. And sometimes we got to come back around and we got to check ourselves and go, oh, we got to give in faith. And maybe that costs us a little more to give in faith. Who's our provider? Not, not me. Let me just tell you, when I stepped back from here, the income went, and within a month, I had multiple consulting contracts that was paying me far more than I was ever making here. They literally came to me, literally knocked on my door. I didn't ask for the money. We just gave in faith, and we knew that there was a need, and God provided. I'm just want to build your faith. Meek and I can tell testimony. Kevin can tell testimony. Kim can tell testimony. There's testimony here. So many testimonies in this room. The Mayos can tell testimony of when you're faithful in your generosity, this is what God does. Why? It's a God principle. Okay. I don't want to beat this to death, but I feel like I'm, I'm actually hammering against the wall in some of your hearts right now. Maybe it's just for the online viewers. Nobody in the room. Just for the online viewers. Okay. Good. Maybe that's something that you need to grieve. Maybe God wants to do a resurrection in your finances, and you need to grieve the season where you sowed wrong, or maybe, uh, I don't even know if you can sow wrong, but maybe you didn't sow in faith. Or maybe you need to grieve a season of loss, financial loss. Because God wants to do a resurrection in your finances. God wants to do a resurrection. And He's going to give you the keys on what to do. Obey God. Now, this gets right into this point here of that loss that I was feeling, grieving, saying, God is saying, Chris, there's things that you need to grieve. Meek and I are abundantly blessed, and I have not grieved any financial losses. We've not grieved over major financial losses. Now, do we have as much money saved as we'd like? Do we have Quinn's College paid for? No. You know, there's certain things that we'd love to have in order, but we don't. Okay. It's not really a loss because God's been super faithful. Now, there are some things that need to be grieved in my life for me. I have to grieve the loss of relationships. I have to grieve benchmarks in the vision that never came to pass, things that I wanted to see. I grieve when I walk on this side of the building and I still see painted styrofoam because the third phase of building hasn't been afforded yet. And I thought that was going to be done two years ago. I got to grieve that. It feels a little bit like a loss in me. So I got to take time and say, God, I'm going to take these areas of my life. Let's just talk about our children, maybe who aren't walking with Jesus, made some horrible choices. 
And we need to grieve that. Not just go la, 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 move on, but let it hit our hearts and grieve our hearts. Because God wants to birth something new in your relationship with your children, but you're hanging on to the pain of the past, and it's preventing this new thing from coming to pass. Same thing with kids and our parents, right? Some of us have really big parental wounds, and we got to figure that out. We got to walk through that process and grieve the loss, even the loss of a parent, and what after they've died, and the things that never came to pass. Some of us are hanging on to stuff that God wants us to put at His altar. He wants us to give Him some things so that He can do something new. This is part of the pruning that's happening. Sometimes we need grieve the loss of years of painful marriage that we thought would have been fruitful, but instead it was painful. And there's a divorce that we need to deal with. And there's, there's the romance that never happened. There's the kindness that's missing in the responses sometimes. Well, can I just say grieve that? Can you let it die, please? Because until we put that seed, every pain, every grief, all of that is seed in the kingdom. Do you realize that? It is seed in the kingdom. Until something dies, it cannot be resurrected. Many of us can't receive from God because we're still hanging on to our past. We're still hanging on to the old things. So we must learn to let it go. Let it go. God wants us to take the brokenness that we've had. He wants us to sow it into the kingdom as a seed. Because you know what? He said, you're forgiven for those mistakes that you've made. And I've forgiven them for the mistakes that they've made. I want to birth something new in you. Give me the thing that you're hanging on to so that I can give you something different. But we, until we let it go, until we put it in the ground, there is no resurrection. Many of us wish that there was resurrection in our marriage. We wish that there was resurrection in our finances. We wish that there was resurrection in relationships with children. We wish that there was resurrection in, in different aspects of our life. And yet, we're hanging on to the past so tight that God can't give you anything new. You're bitter and angry and judgmental because you're not letting go. Let me just tell you, everything up to this point in time in your life is seed if you let it be seed. It is seed. Everything up to this point is seed if you let it be seed. Sow it. Let it go into the ground. Let that little grain die so that God can sprout something new. Kingdom, it might be a day or it might be six months. I don't know. God is the God of time. This is why one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. Because we, we, we don't know. We can be patient. But if you're willing to let it die and you give it to the Lord and you sow that seed, 
the earth will do what the earth does. God will do what God does, and He will birth and sprout something new for you. Listen, when the grain ripens, immediately that man puts the, puts the sickle to the grain because the harvest has come. It's fun to see new things sprout, but you got to wait to get the harvest of it. you got to wait until it's fulfilled, until it becomes full before you take the harvest. It'd be really bad to just start cutting off sprouts because you got some sprouts. And every time it got a certain high, oh, that's a, oh, look at, I got a sprout. You're never going to get the, the actual grain. It's never actually going to come to fruition. So you got to let it take time to grow. You got to let it, this is part of the waiting. This is part of that process, right? So it's resurrection. There are things sprouting up here that have never sprouted here before. There's healing coming that's never been happening before. Like we're in a new season and we have to wait to let God fulfill it, to let God grow it up into its fullness. What happens when you start seeing all these seeds sprout up? You know what you feel in those moments? You feel momentum. Like, oh my gosh, look at all the things that are coming up. Look at all the things coming up. It ain't harvest time yet, but man, look at all that stuff coming up. I see goodness coming, goodness coming, goodness coming. God's goodness coming again. I'm starting to see a flow of fresh income in my finances. I suddenly start seeing that the ministry that I've always longed for in my heart, I'm starting to see the pieces starting to come together on that. Now I'm excited and I see momentum. Don't cut it off too quick. Let the momentum be momentum. Let the excitement be excitement. Let it come. Let it grow. God will say, it's ripe. Go. It's ripe. Reap your harvest. So, man, there are so many areas of my life that I need a resurrection in. I don't know about you, but I need a resurrection in some areas. I think many of us need a resurrection in our marriages, in relationships. Can I just say, what is it in your life that you need to let die? What, what part of your history, do you, the story that you tell yourself over and over about people and about situations, maybe you need to let that die. Maybe that those times where they responded poorly is now preventing you from being honest. Maybe you let that die and give them a chance because guess what? People grow. <gasps> but we don't give them a chance because we're telling ourselves the negative story. How about we just go dead. I'm putting it to bed. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let that be seed for resurrection. I'm going to let that pain in my heart because of the betrayals that I've experienced. I need to let those betrayals go. And I need to let those betrayals and those words that were spoken that were so painful to me, 
personally, I need to take those words and I need to put them in the ground and I need to say, God, I'm, I'm going to give you this and I'm going to put it in the ground and I'm going to say, God, I'm sowing this back to you. I'm giving it to you. And I'm going to let him do what he does with it. I'm not commanding that I get a fruit of all the things that I want. I'm just saying, God, I'm putting it in your hands and I trust that you're going to produce good fruit from that. Most of the time, it's a measure of understanding and empathy for them. Is the immediate fruit that comes up. When I can put that to bed, suddenly I begin to see things from their perspective better. And I can begin to empathize with the pain that they're in, with the hard time that they're having. And now I get to be a different person, a resurrected relationship because I let my bitterness, my anger, those feelings of hurt go to bed and die. And now I can come up to them, give them a big hug. Even though I felt betrayed at one point, I can love on them purely because I let my bitterness go to death. And I let it be a seed for something great. Now, if there was potential on it before, the relationship before, who knows? Maybe that's the harvest that'll come. But if I hang on to my bitterness and my resentment and my anger, that ain't never going to happen. You guys doing okay? Awesome. Awesome. Well, come on. We need to let some seeds hit the ground. We need to bury some things. We need to let some things die. And I don't know what it is for you. And I wouldn't want to try and guess. I just talked about things that I see as a pastor consistently. Relationship problems. Bad communication. Offenses and wounds. Horrible assumptions that people make about each other. Wow, that's pretty bad, actually. That's pretty common. Where people just make bad assumptions, right? So I think that it's really important that you say, Holy Spirit, will you show me what I need to put to death? And what do I need to grieve? And what do I need to let go of? My heart, in my life. Some of us have really have major, major hurts and major wounds. And those are real. And I'm not saying minimize those. And I'm not saying don't... Um, feel the pain of that. I'm not telling you to go into la-la land and like act like there's no problem here. These are real hurts. They're real pains. But can you say, God, I'm going to try and give this to you. It's real and it hurts. So I want to invite you in to putting that to death because I want to trust you more than my emotions. I want to trust you more than how I'm feeling in this thing. I want to give it to you. Can we do that this morning? Just take a moment, okay? If you will, just where you're sitting, just, you know, take a moment and pray. Just take a moment and pray. Holy Spirit, show us what needs to go to, go to the ground. What seeds need to be sown of death and pain and suffering? What, what things need to go, God? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
for the sake of assistance, because I think sometimes my ideas aren't always the good, the best ones. Um, for me personally, and I think that it, it may be something that is common for us, I'm grieving the illusion of having control. It's like Come on. letting that desire to take control, I'm, I'm letting that go to death. It's that illusion that I, I want to pick up and try um, to take control. And I'm, I'm grieving the things in my history that caused me to want to try to be God in my own life. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Will you stand with me? Oh, it's time for a nice spiritual activation. After all that, we're going to put some things to death. Are you guys ready? Uh, what we're going to do is pretend that the brown carpet is soil. And what I'd like for you to do is take that, that, whatever that thing is that you've been hanging on to, and I want you to come up here, and I want you to scatter the seed on the ground so that God can do something with it. So just as, as, uh, as, as we just sit here for a moment, I might have uh, Ted just play some soft music. If you can start that on the Spotify there, on the computer there, and just, you know, Ted's going to just hit play. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.